Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together or to celebrate the life that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that you do not look at this past week as a determining factor of how much you desire to be with us this morning. I thank you, Father, that you're not looking at this past week and our faults and our failures as a determining factor is how much you want to pour into us this morning. That, Father, you desire every good thing for us. And so, Father, with humble hearts and full repentance, Lord, we just lay before you this morning. We ask that you would pour out upon us all that you have for us, that you would speak to us, that your word would come alive within us. Lord, that we may grow together as your body, that we may grow in the purposes that you've called us to. Or those seeds of your truth and your word that have been planted within us, Lord, we would allow it to go deep, to plant deep, lasting roots, Father, and to, to reap a harvest of, of peace and joy and blessings, Lord, and, and see other life reproduced in the world around us. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was praying about kind of where to continue on for this morning. You got a Already had next uh, week's, um, next week is Mother's Day, and uh, if you're not a mother, um, we still in highly, highly encourage you, whether you're a man or uh, you're a woman, whatever, it's going to apply to everyone, come uh, next week and hear what uh, God, I feel, has put on our hearts. We're going to, a um, very special message, and we'll be hearing from some people in our church next week as well. But in this week, it's kind of interesting, so I looked at the next parable in Luke, and it actually leads right into next week. How cool is that? Next week, we're talking about uh, pulling out roots of lies within our lives, particularly in the context of women in our culture experience. And we as men are, unfortunately, often an equally part of putting those false seeds and spreading those false seeds in life. So it's also important for us as brothers in Christ to help our sisters in Christ realize who they are and help pull out those roots of deception, those roots of lies, and, and find out our truth and our value and who we have in Christ. So this week, uh, we look at a parable talking about a, a sower that Jesus tells, someone who's sowing seeds and planting. And so it, it'll tie in nicely. But first, so we go into Luke chapter 8, and this first part doesn't really have to do with the parable, but it's really, really important, so I just want to make sure we don't skip it. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 15. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna and the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. And I think it's a good prelude into, into to next week as well. Um, why did Luke, or the, the author, think it's so important to put this in here? Women in that society and times weren't considered worthy of, of contributing, of, of leading something. And Jesus says, oh, really? And so he not only has women that are, are with him, he's got women who are of means that are actually business women as well who are helping drive God or Jesus' ministry. They're helping teach, they're helping support, they're they're have a key part 
And not only were they women who were considered second class in that society, some of them were the women that were the crazy women. They had seven demons come out of her. I'm sorry, you don't have seven demons in you, and you not be a little off, even in that society. That's the lady that you're like, you know, we don't buy from her. Let's go to the next place, okay? Um, no, don't not take candy from her. And Jesus said, even these ladies. And they get prominent position here in Scripture. So ladies, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't be used by God. So I just want to throw that in there. So then Jesus' parable of the farmer scattering the seed. So one day, some time goes by, and Jesus got people following him. I love it. Right when he gets a lot of people following him is the time that he usually tells a story that makes people leave. <laughs> he should have taken a pastoring class or something. So. so one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And a parable is just a story that's a symbol of a, a spiritual truth that's trying to be told. So he's got a large crowd around him. Verse 5, a farmer, Jesus tells us, went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks and began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. So for every little seed that, that went down into good soil, a hundred new seeds of life were produced. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Depending on your, your translation, another uh, emphasis on this in the Greek would be by saying, hey, listen up. This is really, really important. And, and when we say in here, he said, if you have ears to hear, he's not just saying, like, if you have ears. He's saying, listen. And part of that word is a place of understanding. If if your ears are capturing the sound waves going through the air from my voice and hitting you, and it's going through your neurosystem into your brain, take hold of it. Understand it. And this, this term of understanding and, and hearing is, is, a, is an action part. Like, don't just go, oh, yeah, I got it. Go, I got it. Live by it. And so we've got this picture of this farmer, and they didn't have the big tills and the discs that we have. You had a, a satchel full of seed, and, and you would go out, and they'd break up the ground, and then they'd go out the seeds and handful, and they'd just throw it, almost like we do when we salt sidewalks. We don't, in Wisconsin, we don't throw seed like that, but we salt our sidewalks like that. You grab a chunk, and you throw it out, and it scatters. And if you've ever scattered salt on your sidewalk, some of it gets off onto the grass a little bit. It doesn't go where you want it to. Well, the same thing when they're Throwing the seed, they're, they're walking along their, their little fields, and oftentimes there's roads and paths cutting through their fields, and, and they're throwing the seed out. 
And so when you do that, not all the seed's going to land where it needs to land. Now, here's the thing. Every seed that's going out has the potential of life. Every seed that's going out, whether it was a big seed or it was a little seed, you know, most seeds aren't exactly like, had the potential for life. Every seed that was cast out had a potential to produce a harvest a hundred times its capacity or a hundred times its, its size. So anyone who has ears to, to hear should listen and understand, and that part of the understanding is to put into practice. Verse 9, so his disciples are like, okay, that sounds really important. What are we taking hold of? What does this mean, Jesus? So verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God or spiritual truths. But I use parables to teach the others, talking about the outline group, so that scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Parables will reveal or conceal truth depending upon the openness of the person's heart to learn. And so you had a lot of people there listening with their ears, but you didn't have a lot who were really willing to take what they were hearing to a place of understanding. So Jesus would often tell these parables, and what he was often teaching was revolutionary. What he is teaching us in Scripture goes against our own culture, goes against our own flesh and desires. And and what he was teaching went against what Roman society taught. I was flying this this week, and I got to watch the new Ben-Hur movie, and there was an interesting part in the movie where they were contrasting Jesus' words of grace and forgiveness. And, And this Roman centurion said, this is poison to our society. Forgiveness is weakness. What Jesus was teaching was revolutionary. It was shaking and and going against everything that this world is, is built upon. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. We've talked about this. You know, when, when Jesus says something, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, well, this might be the best way. No, this is the best way. This is the creator of all. The, the being who breathed out this violent explosion out of, out of what we think is nothingness into all that is and ever will be within this space-time continuum is the same God who, who intimately sees us and loves us and knows us and, and wants to, to be with us and use us and so much that he came in the form of Christ so that we could understand him and be with him. I think he knows a little more than we do. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath. So Jesus was saying, hey, these are, ultimately as we know, what Jesus was teaching them, what he was saying, he was scattering seed. And all those people around him were, were, were his field, and he was throwing that seed out to that field. And what he was basically was challenging them, saying, there's several types of soil within this group of people. 
what type of soil are you going to be? The amazing thing is, as we read through this, I want us to keep in mind, we have a choice. We have free will. We have the choice to decide what type of soil we want to be. And the type of the soil we decide to be is going to determine the effectiveness of God's Word in our lives. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. That is a jarring passage there. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from being believing and being saved. There's this sense of there's a lack of understanding, a lack of putting into practice. They've never allowed themselves to experience. So that seed, it goes out and it falls on the road. Now, if you've been on a dirt road and it's highly traveled, that dirt gets packed really, really hard. That dirt gets packed. Seeds do not go down into that soil. It just hits and it stays on the surface. And so it's not enough just to hear God's word and to to hear it and go, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. If we don't take it to a place of understanding and allow that seed to to be planted deeper into us, going from a place of logic into a place of experience, a place of where we are passionate and in love for God's word, where it gets planted down below the surface. And what's interesting, he used the example, and it said the wild birds, in that meaning, the wilder birds of the air, oftentimes the, the wild birds are winged, often represented demonic forces. And so this idea that that if we do not take hold of what God is teaching us and put it deep within us, it's just going to sit on the surface. And those demonic forces that come to kill, steal, and destroy are just going to come in and take it from us. And we're never going to experience salvation. We're never going to step out of our doubt into a place of believing and understanding Christ. And so, Some of the people that were out in the crowd, he was saying, some of you just aren't going to get it. You are hardened. You have determined that you are not going to receive what I have to say. Then there was this type of soil. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. So the first one, there's just this complete rejection of God's word. The second one is, and we've maybe we've been there ourselves or we've met people who are like that, and and I've I've as a pastor, I've met unfortunately way this such a common thing in our society where people are like, yes, I need that. Yes, oh my goodness, they realize maybe God does something in their life that's miraculous and they take hold of it and they're like, Yay, Jesus, and they're so excited. And they and they, they start coming to church and they maybe start going to a, a Bible study or this and that. And I've seen this happen quite often when with lives that struggle with addiction. Lives that struggle with 
some controlling, whether it's an addiction or a pursuit of, of money, uh, this seems to be a very common, common thing that happens is, is we take hold of Christ as, as almost like a, a replacement addiction. Almost like, yes, this is the new, safest, best drug to get rid of everything else. And, and we jump on the high of grace. We jump on the high of experiencing the tangible ex- presence of God moving in our lives. And we take hold of that. And we're like, oh, yes, this feels so good. I love it. Yeah, all right, Jesus. And we get excited. But then what happens is that temptation comes along and we go right back to it. Why do we walk away from that life? We go right back to death. Why? And, and the reason is, and if you've, and I've seen this time and time again too, it's because that seed, that truth that they were so excited about, never got put into practice. And I have beat my head against the wall time and time again. My son right now, he's at that age where he's got bruising on his head because he gets frustrated and he just wants to headbutt the the uh, the floor. I can't tell you how many times I l- absolutely love these people. I love them. I'm crying for them. But I just I wish I could just put like the Bible on their foreheads and just headbutt it into them or something and just and they wonder. And I've had people come to me and say, "Why why do I keep struggling? Why do I keep struggling? Why do I keep falling backwards? Why do I keep backsliding?" I'm like, "Did did you, you remember that thing we talked about? That real practical thing of you know talking to God every morning. Have you done that?" Well, no. Remember when we talked about, you know, you, you finally got a job and your finances were getting good, and I said, you know, honor God with it. He blessed you with that job. Now, you know, give your tithe, give your offering to God, and he'll bless you with it. Did you do that? No, I blew it on drugs or alcohol. Maybe if I had given it to God, maybe I wouldn't have had it to blow on alcohol and drugs. Maybe. Very practical things. Or have people that get excited about God and they get excited about the church and then, and then they say, and they start wandering away. And they start getting lured away back into their old lifestyles and old pursuits of just money and, and, and spiritual apathy. And they say, well, we just don't connect. Have you been attending church regularly? Have you gone to a Bible study? Have you gathered with other believers? Have you invited anyone to your home to, to, to share the gospel with? No. If we don't take those seeds that God has given us from his word and put them into practice, it's as if they've gone on, and when it talks about that rocky soil, in that part of the land, there was often like a limestone, a layer of solid limestone sometimes underneath the dirt. So it looked like there was soil. It looked like there was dirt. It may be about this deep, but what happens is the, the roots go in, and, and when you have a little bit of soil like that, it can't hold moisture, and the roots can't go deep. And so the seed looks like it's rooting up life, and we get excited, and, and they get baptized, and we're like, yay, there's green, there's life. It is so much more important. And that's why I always encourage people, don't be worried so much at all about what you look like. Jesus is going to help with that. Worry about, are we putting the Word of God into practice so those roots are going deep? 
A lot of times we worry about, about having leaves and, and fruit in our lives first. If we have those deep roots, we will grow. We will change. We will experience what God has for us. But if we don't put down deep roots, if we don't have lives that are open for the Word of God to go deep and to put down deep roots, so in those seasons of temptation, those seasons of drought, in those wilderness times, that deep root system of faith goes down and draws from those streams of living water that is the Holy Spirit that nourishes us, that gives us life. So here's some practical, I want to, as we go through this, I want to throw out some practical things if you're taking notes. How do we put that seed of God's word deep within us? One, put it into practice. If Jesus says forgive, let's forgive. If Jesus says care for the poor, let's care for the poor. Let's not just say, oh, that sounds great. Yes, that's, these are things, we, we all agree not only Jesus is solely the answer for this world, but what he taught us, what he's calling us to do, this world needs. And so let's put it into practice. To be able to put it into practice, we need to know God's word. So to put that seed deep, to grow those roots, we need to study and learn. We need to study and learn. And study and learning, we, we have a tendency to do this in our society where we'll, we'll just grab something, we'll read it, and then we'll interpret it the way that fits with our paradigm and with our convictions and our culture and our, the way we want things, and we distort God's word when we do that. Let's really study God's word. Let's come together. Let's, even when we see something, let's chew on it a little bit. Let's just not say, oh, well, that sounds good, or try to make Scripture find those verses that fit the way we think. Instead, let's go to Scripture and allow Scripture shape the way we think, rather than shape Scripture to the way we think. Don't isolate. To study and to learn, to grow together um, in our society, we're very individualistic. And I struggled with this when I was, even when I was in Bible college. I grew up in church my whole life, and I I was talking with God. I'm like, God, I don't need to go to church. You know, I'm studying. I go to chapel. I have all these things going on in my life. I'm good. I talk to you. We have this great relationship, God. And then, but the reality was I came to realize, and and God keeps reminding me of this, is that we need the body of Christ. Do not forsake the gathering together. Because we are the body of Christ. His spirit is the oxygen, is the wind that fills our lungs. His blood courses through our veins and brings us together. Together, we live out this word. Together, we help one another plant these seeds deeper, help water and nurture one another so the roots go deep. But we isolate ourselves. And so I I just give this challenge. I know we, we work weekends and we have busy lives, but... It's something I feel we as a church body need to rise above the trends of our society. We need to rise above what's normal. For, I don't care what's normal in other churches. God is not calling us to be a normal church. God is calling us to be a church that is going to flip this town upside down. God is calling us to be a church 
that when people walk through it, they're like, oh my, I mean, I was almost in tears yesterday listening to Jeff and Nina share their testimony and how they, you'll have to see it. I don't want to spoil it. But the value that they have found, and as Jeff said it so eloquently, just having people willing to give you a hug that you can call to be there for one another. So I want to challenge us that part of having that deep soil is we need to, I'm just going to say this because this is a problem we have in our society, go to church more times than not. I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not, we're not as a church going to say, well, you have to be here so many, many times. We haven't, but I want to challenge us to not be like the world around us. I want to challenge us to not be the norm of other churches. And the norm right now is, is less than 50%. So almost one-third of the time a church body is together is what our current Christians in our society attend. And the reason why I really have a problem with this is there are parts of the world where they do not have the freedom to gather together as we do. And because they have put the seed of God's word deep within them, and they understand the power of God's word and what God is wanting to do with them, they will walk miles, exhausted with their children, nothing to eat, under the threat of persecution, to gather together and to worship and to experience the joy and to, and to commune with God, not only as individuals, but as a body of Christ, as we are called to do. How dare we squander this privilege? How dare we pray, God, work in our nation, in our country, in our lives, in our families' lives? If we can't even simply take time to put God first. If we want to be on the top of God's agenda, maybe we should put him on the top of ours. Verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. There's a, excuse me, there's a close tie between these first two. Now sometimes we've got soil. I've seen this happen too where we're putting the time in. People are excited. Maybe they have that same excitement, and they, they jump in, and they're, they're doing stuff. They're, they're putting what God has taught them into practice. But, and this probably pertains to people of my personality sometimes, where we think we can do everything. We, we, we think that we can, we can do everything, and, and uh, God challenged me a while back. It was at a chaplain training, and they were talking about wrestling with God and God wrestling with you on certain issues. And they said, I want everyone to pray and ask God what it is that he is wrestling with you on, trying to, to get a hold of your attention. And it, 
took like a nanosecond for me to ask God, and I think he was, he was more than ready. And the words, pridefully self-reliant. And so it's so easy to, to be doing all this good stuff. But if we're not relying on God to, to nourish us and to be the one to, to fill us. And what happens is we, also, we often get to a point where we think we can do everything. So we start allowing other seeds to be planted in our life that shouldn't be. And sometimes we, we struggle in life, whether it's, it's self-reliance, whether it's, a, uh, um, and, and oftentimes when we think of sin, we often think of, of, you know, sexuality and we think of drugs and all those things. Sin is not doing what God's asking you to do. And, and not doing what God is asking us to do allows other seeds that aren't of God's word to be planted within us. Those birds of the air, those demonic forces, you know, the, the chaos of this world drops seeds of thistles and thorns, fear, doubt, exhaustion, and meaningless pursuits. And so then what happens, we, we have deep roots that are, are, are growing over here, but we've allowed other things to begin to, to grow and to choke out around. So we may have a healthy life in Christ. But if we aren't careful to guard, we have to weed the garden. We'll be talking about that next week. But those thorns, this picture of these thorns growing up and choking out, wrapping around, twisting, and just seeing that, that life that God has given us slowly dying. How many of you ever experienced that? And when that happens, we have to go to the, the master gardener and ask God to prune us, to cleanse us, to take out those roots, help bring those out. And so they never grow into maturity. Plants are never, our faith never grows to where it should be because it has other things. We've allowed other things in our lives, and they may be good things. Jobs are good things. But when we allow a job to rob us from growing spiritually, when we allow a, a, a job or, or relationships that may be good things in this world, but when we allow them to rob us of the purposes we're supposed to be growing into and keep us from maturing, it's a weed. It's a thistle that's keeping us back. So taking notes, work and money is not more important than your relationship with Christ. Relationships with other people are not more important than our relationship with Christ. Because if we do not have our main relationship with Christ right, our relationships with everyone else will not be right either. Let's not waste our lives valuing and chasing things that are going to disappear. We have to live a life that will echo on into eternity. Part of spiritual maturity is recognizing that we are not temporal. We are eternal beings. And we have an eternal mission that God is calling us to. And if we are too busy chasing the temporal, the things that won't last, things that could be gone tomorrow, you can work 20 years trying to achieve a goal, and overnight it's gone. 
The things of God, however, remain. And what I love is you can spend a moment investing in God, and that will last eternity. Imagine if we give of ourselves to God's purposes as tenaciously as we give to pursuits of this world, the size of that harvest, the size of that, of that life that we will be able to partake of. Third note on that, if you're chasing happiness, stop. You will chase it into your grave and never be content. Those sayings, you know, do what makes you happy, dumbest thing ever. Because the things that make me happy sometimes are the things that make me a jerk. Oftentimes, the idea of happiness is wrapped around selfish motives and ambition. And happiness, will the pursuit of happiness particularly, there's being happy is wonderful. And I, I promise you that if we put down and we pursue the things of God, there will be part of that harvest, there will be joy, and there will be happiness. Not every single moment of the day. That's unrealistic. That is a fool's pursuit. We, we give in, our society tells us you should be happy, happy, happy all the time. If this doesn't make you happy, find something better. He or she doesn't make you happy, find someone better. Yeah, it doesn't work too well. How many of you here can say amen? Verse 15, wrap up here. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted, you can say receptive people who hear God's word, write this down, cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest or a bountiful harvest. Three things we kind of see here. Listen. Have our ears open to what God's speaking to us. So we read God's word. Let's take it in with all of our senses. This hearing also means like all of our senses. Let's take it in. And so not just listening for what, and also listening throughout our lives what God wants to speak to us and what he's calling us to. It's not enough to say, okay, God says, share my word. It's not enough to say, God says, take care of the poor. It's not enough to say, God says, um, be in relationship with my, my body and my church. But we need to hear the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us how and when to do that. Listen, hear, and then when we have God's word, when he speaks to us, he gives us those those promises that we know without a shadow of doubt are are seeds of, of, of life and purpose that God has planted within us. We need to cling to that. Do not let some mangy, diseased, wild bird of the air steal away what God has promised for us. Nothing can rob us of what God has for us. Nothing can steal away our salvation. But as we read in there, it can be forfeited. It can be wasted. It can be left and rejected. Let's put into practice. Let's place those seeds below the surface where it can't be robbed by demonic influences.
God's word and truth is to be planted deep within our being through practice. If we are not putting into practice our faith, if we are not putting into practice what God has called us to, we do not have faith. We have a superficial belief system. When we plant God's purposes in good soil, a humble yet resolved heart that leads the mind and body into action. The seed begins to sprout, and that seed puts down deep roots, and it changes us from the very core. The very core of our being, we are changed, and and our life begins to, to blossom and produce a harvest of life, not only within us, but around us.